Hello, friends. Anne here, and this is Overcome with Auntie Anne. Each week, I sit down with a friend to hear her story of overcoming, and we talk about the good, the bad, and everything in between. Before building an international corporation, I went through my own years of defeat, despair, and depression that kept me stuck in a place of darkness. It was only when I learned to share my own story that I started to overcome my past and to find purpose in my pain. I've found incredible freedom in my life, and I'd like for you to discover it for yourself as well. Together, we can overcome. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Overcome with Auntie Anne. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in today. I am so excited to have my good friend, Shonda Pierce, and y'all probably know who she is. Uh, We've invited her to be on our podcast. So welcome, Shonda. We're glad to have you with us today. Thank you, Auntie Anne. It's good to see you. It's been too long. I think too long since I've seen you. It's been too long. Your face, I love just being able to see you today. Anyway, so as y'all know, Shonda is an Emmy-nominated and best-selling comedian and has been making audiences laugh for more than two decades with her winning combination of fierce wit and Southern charm. (laughs) As a stand-up comedian, television hostess, author, and now actress, Pierce has channeled her life's experiences into positivity. In addition to her comedic work, Pierce has used her success to help others. And in 2006, She founded Branches Recovery Center, which offers counseling and treatment to those with depression, anxiety, addictions, regardless of their ability to pay. So today, Shonda and I are going to talk about her life, the struggles that she has faced, especially with depression, sadness, and loneliness, which is not what you would expect from a comedian, right? Mm. I think that's true. I think if you uh, if you probably went through the biography of a lot of comedians out there, you would find a great percentage struggles with some type of depression, uh, the loneliness from the road. But laughter has sometimes been their uh, their way to hide some mm-hmm. of their hurts and pains. But also, I think laughter has been a great medicine, uh, just as it was meant to be. I love that. And, and you know, the Bible says laughter is like a good medicine. And, uh, you know, sometimes I wish I would be a little more funny and uh, people would <laughs> laugh, you know, at what I say. But it doesn't happen a whole lot, Shonda. But um, <laughs> I, I'm so grateful for you and for making people laugh. You know, I know that you know what sadness and loneliness and depression feels like and it looks like for you. So how has all of that I know it's a loaded question, but how, yeah. how has all that impacted you as an adult, right. as a mother, right, and as a comedian? You know, uh, what's interesting, uh, and, and I see the provident, providential hand of God on my life, uh, mm-hmm. as he is on everyone's. I don't think I have the corner market on God using you. But mm-hmm. God has the greatest ability, and it's all through the Bible of how he's used people's pain and mm-hmm. used what they've gone through to minister to others. Now, the format that I chose to minister to others is comedy. Um, and I will say, as my own personal growth has 
has taken hold. I have seen my comedy change as well. When I first started out, my jokes were a lot about second row piano side and growing up a preacher's kid. And, and then I could weave some of those funny stories uh, and set up a family for you so that when I got to tell you about what I had overcome as a preacher's daughter or as a sister who lost, you know, two sisters, uh, I had painted a picture through the comedy so that you could really see them, so you could really know them. And and that worked. And it seemed to be a great formula that God was using uh, to heal others' hearts who had lost sisters or had gone through a divorce in the church or, you know, and so the comedy was really always the opening act. And I remember, I can remember very well, I used to tell a story about standing at the water fountain, getting a drink of water, and two little saints of the church pat me on the head, and water was going up my nose, and one of them said, this is one of our preacher's daughters, she's not very P-R-E-T-T-Y, and I turned around and said, no, but I'm real S-M-A-R-T. Well, the sweet thing, the, the, you know, the creative thing is that's a true story, but the punchline I wrote in other words, I didn't, as a little kid, turn around and say, no, but I'm S-M-A-R-T. Uh-huh, it was uh-huh. a punchline. And I can remember telling that story for years and years, and it would get a laugh. And somewhere along the way, the Lord began to tug at my heart at there was great pain wow. behind that funny story. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was also probably in the delivery was hoping that those little old ladies heard that. <laughs> So I could get back at them, you know? And so therefore I learned that that harmed no one but me. Hmm. And using that story as a jab, as a jab to those little old ladies was, was a harmful thing for me. Hmm. And I, I quit telling it for a while. And, that, and now when I do tell it, I tell it like this. I say, you know, I had to write the punchline till it was palatable for me. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is I wanted to tell that story so those little old ladies would hear what they did and how how bad that was that they said that to a little <laughs> kid, you know. So it's all about the condition of your heart. And I see that a lot in my comedy comrades. And you can turn on the television and watch stand-up comedy. You can turn on your, you know, your laptop and watch stand-up comedy of every sort, of every kind, of every flavor, some very, very dark and dirty, some absolutely slapstick and banana peel, you know, comedy. There is such a variety, but it's the condition of the heart of the Mm -hmm. comedian that seems to come through Mm -hmm. for me. I can listen to a comic and hear the anger and Mm -hmm. the hurt, Mm -hmm. and I want to go up to them at the end of their set after everybody's laughing and having a big time. I want to throw my arms around them, Mm -hmm. and I want to ask them, who hurt you Mm -hmm. in such a way that you're using this craft to just (laughs) really get back at some people? Mm -hmm. That's a sign of some healing that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot going through through my mind right now, but it sounds to me like you do comedy with compassion, like you've learned and you've grown into that. Is that what I, I just hope so? Say? You know, and I think the I think the one person I've become more compassionate about is me. Oh, awesome. And that, and that I think that when I turn the corner on that growth and that doesn't mm. come overnight, I don't want our listeners to hear this and go, well, that's where I need to be tomorrow. Mm. It comes with great growth and patience with yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a continual admittance 
of where my pain is and what it's mm-hmm. put me through. Um, so it, you know, the, it doesn't come overnight, but I, I think it was around about 50 years of age that I got really comfortable with me. Mm-hmm. Wow. And in that comfortableness came a real, you know, um, honesty about mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the jokes that I used to use that were really meant to hurt someone or, Mm. So horribly sarcastic, you know, about the church or about, you know, a man, you know, in my life or a lack of a man in my life. I've kind of let some of those go because uh, it does nothing. It gets a laugh, Mm. but I I can get a laugh in a lot of different other ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So life's experiences uh, have matured you and made you even more. compassionate toward yourself, which I feel yes. like is so good. Oh, uh, good. Love yourself, love your neighbor like you like you. Right. And I love that uh, about you, Shada. Yeah. I remember the very first time I saw you, you were you were a little girl, I think. I don't know how young, maybe at a Gaither homecoming. Yeah. You 20, may have been 19, yeah. 20, 25, maybe. Probably. I'm sure I was at least 25, 26. Yeah. And you I were had a little one. Yes, you were hilarious then, and your voice sounds the same today. Like, <laughs> I still answer the phone, and someone says, "Can I talk to your mother?" And I'm going, "I am the mother." <laughs> I love that. But here you are after two decades, and you're still growing in your right. in your calling. Right. Um, you're still growing in this uh, comedic world. Hmm. So let me go back a little bit. Yeah. And you mentioned losing two sisters. And right. also we talked about the loneliness, depression and anxiety. Is that what it was right. that we talked about? It just, or at least mentioned. So do you remember your sisters at all or how, what was that? Oh, you know, what I area of, it's hmm. interesting that, uh, and you know this, and there are particular uh, anniversaries that come along, the yeah. anniversary of a birth the, of a loved one that's deceased, the anniversary of their their death, you know, and how it happened, the anniversary yeah. of. And so there are and we call those triggers. There are sometimes mm-hmm. triggers that come along and I will spend the day really remembering them and loving the thoughts of them and who they were. I was 16 when my big sister was killed in a car wreck. And I was 18 Mm. when my Mm. little sister died with leukemia. And Mm. at that particular age, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult enough to process that as an adult, but as a teenager, Mm. I think it's why it took me, it took me well into my married years Hmm. to really begin to process that death because you're just not capable in physically or, or mentally as a teenager. And so the way you deal with deal with those things is very primal. Um, you're angry or you're frustrated or you're mad at God for a long time. You want nothing to do with God. And I went through all those emotions as a teenager. Hmm. It was, I guess it was the distraction of great love that came into my life that began a healing process. And that was meeting my husband and my high school sweetheart. And, and we at last married. And so then life just gets busy. And Mm -hmm. I always tell people, you know, there's a lot to unpack in my past. I had a a terrible, a bad relationship with my father. He was on many terms, abusive, somewhat physically. Yes. And then I had my my understanding of sexuality really marred by his behavior. Mm -hmm. And so all that to say, it was a long time unpacking that. And I always tell folks, if you do not process well, your body will do it for you. 
Oh, wow. Uh, And so it will manifest itself either in overeating. It'll manifest itself in addiction. It'll manifest itself in great depression. And you can't figure out why you're depressed. Everything seems to be happy. It could be that back in the back there of your mind is some processing that needs to happen that you've not yet dealt with. And so as an adult, well into my career, I hit the wall running. And a lot of it was overwork and really tired. It was A lot of it was the stress and strain. But God used all those things yeah. to wake me up. Even my own, you know, my own stupidity of working too much and being too driven, God used those things to wake me up. And I wound up deeply, darkly depressed. Mm-mm. And I, I was placed in a psychiatric hospital. I didn't want to go, but my whole, you know, it's like the whole family shows up and goes, you got to get some help. And and I went and I began a journey of unpacking a lot of pain that I had just probably stuffed and stuffed and used comedy to ban- put a Band-Aid, put a Band-Aid, mm-hmm. put a Band-Aid, mm-hmm. but never really dealt with the sore. Mm. And so, and I began to do that. And it was a long process journey. It's a, It doesn't happen overnight. I was willing to go to a counseling place where I checked in for, you know, about 12 days and dealt with my depression, started taking the layers off of some great pain. But once you do that, you know, uh, it begins to heal. Once you let that, you know, it sounds gross, but once you let that, the, the, you know, the infection of the pus, and it's terrible. But once you clean that sore out, it begins to heal in such a beautiful way. And don't be afraid of the scar. Mm-hmm. The I scar is a triumphal tattoo of what God has done in your life and the victory that he's brought. Not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to be on the same page. I have loved ones to this day who don't really believe me, who don't really, you know, see the, the pain or the scar. They're like, oh, get over it. Or, you know, oh, I, I, oh. I have, yeah, you should yeah. move on. Why do you still talk about it? Mm-hmm. And I always go, you know, I mm-hmm. talk about it because God has brought me such victory. Someone, <laughs> someone needs to hear you can be victorious too. You know, yeah, isn't it amazing? It's it's hard for us to, uh, some people to hear people's stories over and over again. And yet we have a whole Bible that is full. Yes. And we stories. read them over and over. We and read over. them over and over, over, and, over again. Again. and we never yeah. question that. So I feel like learning how to tell your story over time, as you've said, is is mm-hmm. redemption. It, it truly is. is. It's truly yeah. redeeming for you. Going back just a little bit. I, oh wow, there's so much here. <laughs> um, so losing you two sisters, and you mentioned your father. So when in your life, and then you met your husband. David, who I met a couple of times, a beautiful yeah. man, and we'll talk about him whenever you, uh, whenever that comes yeah. up here in our subject. When when did you begin to process your family, mm, your life? Yeah, as as a as a daughter, the surviving daughter in your family. I went to a place called uh, PCS in Scottsdale, Arizona. My brother had been there, and he had, had been processing some of his pain and addiction, and. And in that place seemed to kind of work for him. And so, of course, in the in the getting out of the psychiatric hospital and getting on some medicine that really began to level out my emotions so that I could really deal with this stuff. You know, in counseling, uh, when you are deeply depressed and you have deprived your body of the correct kind of, I start to say secretion, the, the, the chemical that makes your emotions work well. And what happens 
if you are if you're a if you're an overly driven person and you're a CEO and you just drive and you know this and you just drive it drive it and drive it, and drive the train your body is so used to that uh-huh, uh-huh. it will it will just quit processing what what it what you need to bring come at to come down absolutely and and so therefore same thing with depression if you have been in a deep dark place for so long your body just accommodates that and your body will stop making the the chemical in your brain that that needs to, to for you to have a happier day. <laughs> and so all that to say, I, I'm a big fan of antidepressants or whatever medication mm-hmm. you need to give your body a jump start so mm-hmm. that you can clear your mind and begin to process what started you there in the first place. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so in that starting there in the first place, I had to go and reconcile what where was God when my sisters died? Mm-hmm. Um uh, and why did I fill my life with sexual sin? Probably because my sexuality was questioned and 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 abused in mm-hmm. watching my father's behavior and some of the things that he did to me that that breaks that bond of understanding a healthy Absolutely. sexual life. And so, mm-hmm. so all those things came into play. Then you find, as a Christian, you have to you want great repentance for some of the terrible things you did in your life, and mm-hmm. and so it's it's a it was a grand process, you know, and a long, a lot of journaling and some wonderful counselors to finally get to the place there where I think I begin to tell my story in a much deeper, compassionate way mm. um, for understanding more and more how people get themselves depressed or understanding more and more how they get themselves in in a terrible pickle, you know, or how they yeah. how that affair does begin to start and what's broken in you that thinks that's okay. And and so all of that, I, you know, I began to unpack in my life in the middle of having a very public career. Mm -hmm. And so how do you juggle that, you know, and, and this is how I make a living, you know, and how do I maintain some healthy boundaries and continue to make a living? And it became sometimes like a zoo. Here is, here's the amazing thing about God, though, in your willingness to be vulnerable and your willingness Mm -hmm. to just get it out there. He uses all those broken pieces. And out of that came a book I wrote called Laughing in the Dark. Uh, it came a great love for people who find themselves depressed, it, a tenderness for those who couldn't afford to go to a place to get well. And out of that great pain, my brother and I started a place called Branches Counseling Centers. And now, of course, I have very, I always say I have very little to do with it other than I've stayed at a Holiday Inn and one of those counselors is mine, you know. So, you know, I watched what God did with both with my brother's pain and mine and how he's created this this blessing, this place for people to find healing and reconciliation, redemption. And yet, at the same time, I'm still in process. Well, you know, that's so true. You know, when I talk about overcoming with Auntie Anne, you know, I, I do believe that for years we suffer as, you know, survivors. Yes. We're survivors for a very long time, but then we can get on the pathway to overcoming. And right. when you, and there is a huge difference between surviving and yes. overcoming. Of course, before survivor, we are total victims. Yeah, oh, yeah. No oh, choice yeah. in the matter. That. So we stay so we stay in that victim mentality. Then we yeah. survive for quite a while. And so the overcoming part of your journey, I know that 
that that's been uh, a long journey for you. But wow, I am I am just what you're talking about right now, Shonda, is so encouraging and it's so so very real because most of us feel like there should be a, a magic wand, you know, and like we can pull the strings of God, we can pray the right prayers, and we can do right. all these right things, and we're. St- we should be, we should be better. And we're still kind of really well, struggling. So I think sometimes I, I think sometimes we believe that salvation comes with just instant healing of all things oh, in our lives. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And salvation it's, makes sure that you don't go to hell. That's that's <laughs> you know, right. It's for our soul. It, the rest of it is our physical and our mental. We got to work some things out so we don't work, live in hell. <laughs> exactly right. And work it out. And I'm telling you, that's exactly right. You know, when you talk about loneliness, I just picture you at times in your past that when you yeah. packed your bags yep. to go on the road and you cried your way to the platform, probably Always. Uh, to do another comedic yeah. act. Yeah. Tell, to make tell everybody me, laugh. Tell me about that. I can what remember was, so much. I have, I would have a friend that would travel with me. Her name was Allison. And, and sometimes my sister-in-law, Doris, who you know very yes, well, yes. They, she would travel with me all the time and they would be, they would marvel at it. And, and they would say, I would, I would be crying. I'd be depressed. I'd be missing my kids. I'd be going, I should be home, you know, and they would announce my name, make welcome Shonda Pierce. And they'd wipe my tears, hand me a microphone and I'd oh. go out and do my thing. And then I'd come off the stage and just fall apart again. A lot of that is, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. This is what we do for a living. Was mm-hmm. that fake or phony? Not at all. Because most of the time I wound up in that mm-hmm. moment telling people, I'm going through a great depression, even though I'm glad y'all have laughed. You know, and I would just tell the truth. Yeah. Um, and I never lied to my audience that and faked my way through it. But it's just like, well, sometimes you have to go to work because you have a bad cold and you still have to go. You still got to take the child to daycare because the boss says you need to be in early. And so you just have to do. And so, you know, do you deserve a medal for that or should shame on you? Should you have been real and just crawled up in the bed? No, Mm -hmm. God has given us the physical to overcome the mental at times. Mm -hmm. And then he's given us the mental to overcome this, uh, you know, overtly spiritually, you know, craziness. And so we, he's given us all of these facets of our lives. And sometimes we have to use them hard and heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's covered us completely. So oh, that each, absolutely. So that each one of us, no matter where we find ourselves, yeah. he has, he will give us what we need to get through it. it and, and you're and it's back to that idea. It's back to the idea of the condition of the heart. And yeah. so God knew my heart. I went with great intention, one, to provide for my family, mm-hmm. two, was to glorify him. Even in my broken, you know, pitiful state of depression, I still just wanted to glorify him, you know, because he's God and he's getting me through it. And so out of that, I believe is the only reason I've had any success is because mm. my eyes have been on God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, have they been dimly at times? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> did I get did I get puffed up and read my own press every now and then? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. I got a, I got a, an award one time and the for the most awarded female comic in history. And oh, I, congratulations on that. I, Oh, and that's of all genres of secular, uh, you know, Christian, whatever, of, of the most awarded comic in history, female comic. And so <laughs> at the ceremony, I was like, I just find that so hard to believe. That's just unbelievable. And the guy looked at me and goes, I know we did the math twice because we've never heard of you. <laughs> <laughs> so I know as a kid, Shonda, 
you never felt the call to comedy. Like you, you know, it's, no, it's I didn't. you know, how our gifts and talents are revealed to us with through life's experiences and yes. our purpose is, you know, and you found your purpose yes. a long time ago and you fought your way through it. You cried yeah. your way through it. Talk to me a little bit about the loneliness that you experienced, even as you were married to your husband. And I yes. know that David's been gone for, for some time now. Yeah. What a great guy. And talk to us about that. You know, I, I thought I knew what loneliness was, you know, cause you, you I'd, I'd miss my family on the road. <clears throat> I, um, I would try to, you know, make up for it. Now I started out and, and you, you know, this very well, when our kids were little, we didn't have cell phones to call home every five minutes and check <laughs> on them. We didn't have FaceTime, you know, you'd have to wait to get to a hotel, right. hope that they're still awake, go down and give the credit card to the hotel person so that you could use the phone, you know, yes, or yes. leave them cash. You know, I mean, I went through all that to try to stay connected and it wasn't easy, but we, we did pretty good at it. David and I, but the road is hard and the road is lonely for anybody that has to be away from home. And I think if, if I may be, you know, sexist a little bit, it's really hard for moms. We have this thing in us that we're supposed to be baking the cookies and, and sending them off to school. And when you have to hand that over to a guy who is not that great at it, you know, <laughs> you start, you beat yourself up with guilt and pain and then you're lonely. And and then what's interesting, David got lonely. He missed me. And we began to protect each other by not telling each other the truth. Mm, mm, I didn't want him mm. to know any fun thing that happened to me on the road because it would, I always felt guilty that I was having fun. And he didn't want to tell me about, you know, Shara or Zach's soccer game because then I would feel sad because I wasn't there. So we just quit communicating. Mm-mm-mm-mm. And wow. in that, really that started out honestly trying to protect each other it, it began a great divide just we just lost communication with one another and I was lonely and he was lonely and in that loneliness we didn't make yep. really great choices praise God we every time we get our heads together we we're a great proponent of, of marriage counseling and we we each survived affairs and and adored each other very much all the way to the end. And all that to say, then when I lost him Hmm. is the worst lonely I've ever had in my life. Hmm. And it gave me a new compassion and tenderness for widows I had not paid attention to. We hear this verse all the time, uh, take care of the widows and the orphans. Hmm. It's in the Bible. And I thought, well, that's a nice thing for Jesus to tell us to do. That's very (laughs) sweet, you know. But when I became a widow, it became very apparent why he picked those two groups out. Mm-hmm. A, a child who feels orphaned or is orphaned is a horrible broken heart. And mm-hmm. a widow who loses the love of their life is a horrible broken heart. Mm-hmm. And it should take the whole body of Christ to rally around those people. Yeah. And yeah. one that made me feel very tender that God knew down the road I would need I would need people so much that he he put me in. A, he knew I was going to be in that group when he spoke those words, take care of the widows and the orphans. Mm, mm. And I, I miss my man very much. I, I have a hard time dating. I don't date. I, you know, once in a while, someone will take me to dinner or something, which I'm all for the free food. But uh, yeah, <laughs> of course, you know, or, the, or the free pretzels. Hint, hint. <laughs> all that to say, I I just. 
I I just want to honor God for the rest of my life. And I want to honor my husband for the rest Mm -mm. of my life. And I'm really happy with that. Although, and I say, but if the Lord wants to surprise me with a man and drop him on my porch, that'd be good too. (laughs) He's going to have to come to your front door. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I had a friend, I had a girl, a sweet, sweet friend. He used to tell me if God can part the Red Sea, he can drop a man on your porch. And one morning I woke up and I live in a penthouse apartment, a high rise. And one morning I woke up and there was a man rappelling down to my patio, cleaning the windows. And I was like, well, thank you, Lord. Maybe this is him, huh? This is him. <laughs> but he, he went on past, so it wasn't him, yeah. But it is, loneliness is terrible. And I've had to learn, you know, very things that I learned to battle depression. Don't let yourself get hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Wow. Those, those very things help me battle loneliness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which would explain the last 25 pounds I've put on my hips. But <laughs> don't let yourself get hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. So you can put some things in play that help you to not succumb to those four things because that will lead down a road. You know, my sweet brother, Dr. Mike Courtney, you'll be so glad we mentioned his name. Yes, uh, we love yeah. him. But uh, <laughs> He he used to tell me all the time, you can't afford to think on that. In other words, he he taught me to get an egg timer. And when I start feeling sad for Charlotta, my sisters, or Sherilyn, or I'm missing David, or I miss my mother. I mean, you can go through a myriad of of pain that I've been through. I I was sexually abused, you know. When I start on one of those subjects, I can't afford to linger there because it'll lead to the next one and the next one and the next one. So I said, hey, he goes, if you really want to, you've got one minute to think on that, to think on that. And then and then you give that to the Lord and you walk away. And when that ding goes off on the eight timer or whether it's three minutes or five minutes, whatever you want to give yourself, then you get up and you move. You move to another chair. You change the subject of what your mind is thinking. You put on different music. Mm-hmm. You call a friend. Wow. You, yeah. yeah. And you have to fight. Fight, so, fight it so, out. Yeah. And so that's really the battlefield of the mind. And I think that what you have shared right. with us today, Shonda, is, is the battle that you have fought in your head. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and, and because of that, you are living an overcoming life. Yeah, As you said, you're not, we'll never be there completely until we see Jesus face to face. What a hallelujah right. day that will be. Well, I mean, <laughs> but you know, until then we continue to do some of the things that you suggested. I love the idea, uh, you know, sit with your pain a while, sit there for a while with it, think yeah. about it, experience the emotions of all of that right. for, for a time but then get up and move on. And I think that that is such a great piece of advice that we can take away from what we're talking about today. You know, you talked about the, you know, you and David separating because of loneliness on the road and, and all these things, and you stop communicating. Wow. That's a, that's a recipe for a disaster. disaster. Yes. Yeah. And so then the guilt of that, you know, you're no longer communicating adds more loneliness. Right. Correct. And then after a while, you know, you feel like a bad mom because you're really not with your kids very much. Uh, and then all of that leads to shame. Tell me in, in, in a nutshell how you dealt with all of the shame. LS. It comes it, with great shame. You know, it's interesting that you said that, Anne. Just yesterday, you know, on my one of my meditations on my phone for my devotions was about leaving your baggage and shame with the Lord. That is something you have to get reminded of all the time. And for Mm -hmm. me, 
I I have to check. I check myself going, if I'm feeling this, where does this come from? Is this a condemnation I am pressing onto myself? Or is this a conviction that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's a con- condemnation. I have Abs- because mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't condemn. That's right. That's right. And if you are got a little tug of conviction, okay. And for instance, if you had too many glasses of wine last night, mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. over it. Okay, mm-hmm. we've learned from that. We'll try not to ever do that again because you know you have a headache. Or if I screamed and yelled at the ball game and had a blast, and then I wake up so down and I can't figure out why I'm down. Well, you kind of went nuts at the ball game, mm-hmm. so you're body is tired you in other words you have to really you have to really be in tune with your body Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. with your body and your and and that comes with the day with daily work Mm -hmm. I uh, sometimes when I journal I always go I'm going to give this thought one page that's Uh all that's Uh all it's allowed is one page in my journal and I'm going to write it out nine times out of ten when you do that and you go back a week later and you read that page you go oh that was just all shame-based, all of that. None of that was from the Lord. Those thoughts are not from the Lord. Now, the hard part for me is unreconciled relationships. Mm, mm. You know, you and I love my brother, but can you imagine him being your big brother? He knows everything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so how did you reconcile? No, that's all right. (laughs) I recognize that. I recognize that. That's right. You don't have to be the very best friend with your sibling. That's right. He is he is a wonderful man. He is an incredible man. He's I don't go to the beach and have a beach day with him. I go with my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you recognize you reconcile and say, this is as it should be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if God pricks our hearts and we need to call each other and check on each other, now we do that on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But we're but we just don't see eye to eye on some things, and that's okay. I have an unreconciled relationship with one of my children and it's been 10 years and I tried everything in the world I know to try and she's got her criteria and she's got her demands and I, I understand that and she's got, and I've got some of her to Mm -hmm. demand and I've got some criteria for her and we just can't seem to find an even keel and it's sad, but God has this in his hands. Sometimes you can actually say, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall, shall not, not want. That's a verse Art. to me of surrender. Yes. Surrendering what we cannot control. <laughs> That's right. a hard and, thing. Yeah. Go to an AA meeting. If you don't <laughs> yes. have a good support group, go to an AA meeting. God <laughs> grant me the serenity to change, change the things the, I can yeah. change. To, uh, and and I'm, I'm butchering their prayer, but but to accept uh, to accept things that things I, can, I cannot, cannot change, change, change things I can, and then the wisdom, wisdom to know, to know the, the difference. difference, and then you can, and and then you continue overcoming. Yes. You might have to say that prayer every day. I mean, honestly, wow, I could just go on and on here. This is fantastic. And I know that we have never had this conversation before. And all the interviews, I, you know, I I still remember interviewing you for a television show I was doing. And I knew that very instant you started telling your story. Okay, I'm going to be lifetime friends with this woman. Mm -hmm. I know, honestly. And, you know, those kind of friendships, Shonda, they're... You don't have to do a lot or say a lot or be a lot. You just yes. know yep. you're connected on a level yep. of suffering right. that is special and unique. Yes. 
I totally agree. I totally agree. As much as we don't want to suffer and as much as we don't want to be alone and depressed. Wow, what it has done for you and who it has made you, Shonda, is, is a beautiful thing. And I just, I'm just grateful. Your whole life right. has been sharing with the audience yes. how you have overcome all the obstacles, knowing all along there are more obstacles ahead of you. Right. And, and that's the reality of life. Uh, what kind of encouragement would you give to a woman, maybe specifically yeah. uh, to women who may be listening right now? And we know right. there, are, there could be 90% of the listeners could be feeling sad, lonely, and depressed. Yes. But, what what would you say to them? And you know, for me, and I, there was a great uh, Christian speaker, Patsy Claremont, that said this in a in a speech one day I, when I was working for Women of Faith, and she had this whole talk about just get up and make your bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that I heard that probably thirty twenty five years ago, I'm sure, and that stuck with me. In other words, for me, I'm a very undisciplined person. Mm. <laughs> Ask my secretary, you know, ask my doctor who wants me to lose weight. You know, I'm a terribly undisciplined person. So I have to get in a routine Hmm. and and I have to write it down and do the routine until it becomes so natural. Hmm. And that's hard. And so for me, you know what I have written down on my phone that I, that when I wake up in the morning, there it is, make my bed, Mm -hmm. listen to my devotion, take a shower. And then I journal a little bit when I can, but I have to stick with a routine that is not only telling my physical being to get up and do, but it puts my my mind in the habit of searching for God and searching for truth. That's so good. It's it's actually creating new yes. habits, new habits. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the way you find your way out of the yeah. dilemmas that, that you may face with right. the loneliness, the depression, the anxiety, creating new right. habits. And you know, Anne, I think part of that is also relinquishing and deciding who, who can't be on your habit list anymore. Mm-hmm. There are just some unhealthy people. There are some people, whether they mean to or not their personalities or how they feel about you or what they think you should do with your life. At some point you have to go, okay, this person, I, I, it's like my brother used to say, I can't afford to be around this person too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They bring you down. Yes. Right. Yep. Finding the right people around you is, is right. critical to your health as well. And it's, and it's okay to take them off the list. Mm-hmm. Well, Shonda, wow, it has been a great delight for the two of us, for me to connect with you in this like raw and real and this telling your story the way you have. I just appreciate it so much. Now, I know that you have a fall tour coming up. Can you tell us about that? I'm so glad to be back at work, to tell you the truth, after 18 months of no work. But yeah, go to Shonda.org and all the cities are listed there. Either in the fall or the spring, maybe I'll be close to you. That's awesome. And you also have a movie coming out next spring. I called, do. Uh, Roll With It. And yes. that sounds exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I, play, I play a girl named Bonnie and uh, who has to win a karaoke contest because I'm losing my house. Is oh, wow. Repossessed or whatever. But it turns out so funny. It, it's just a good family comedy. It'll be out. In your, it's a major motion picture. Be out in the movie theaters in the spring. Wow. Well, we look forward to that. And Shonda, congratulations on all your successes, but even more than that, 
congratulations on all of the things that you have overcome, all of the obstacles you have faced. You're an encouragement to all of us to just keep, you know, getting up out of bed and creating new habits and making our beds every morning after we get, after we get out of them, right? It's a good, it's it's better to make your bed after you get up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, believe me, I've tried to make excuses to stay in. This has been just great, Shauna, and it was so great talking with you today, getting to know your heart and hearing what God is doing with you and that you're not done yet. You're not yeah. retired from comedy. And uh, yeah. I pray that I pray that you stay stay with us for a very long time and keep us laughing because you've certainly done that. So I want to thank you for uh, being authentic and vulnerable with us today. And your story, I know, will encourage every single one that has been listening and give hope to many people today. Uh, So I want to remind you, our listeners, that you can overcome any obstacle if you're willing to be vulnerable, confess to a friend, and trust the process and keep God (laughs) in the very front of everything. You have a story and your story story matters. And Shonda, I want to say thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Anne. Yes, ma'am. And until next time, thanks for listening and keep overcoming. Thanks for listening to Overcome with Auntie Anne. I hope that you feel inspired, encouraged, and know that you are not alone. If you liked the episode, please leave us a review and share it with your friends. You can find me on Instagram at Auntie Anne B or Facebook. Until next time, choose well and choose to overcome. <laughs>